I think about where we are today in our country and where God wants us to be in our hearts. And God is for life. That's his heart. He is the giver, the author and giver of life itself. I want you to see this picture that we took in December of 2022, the old city of Jerusalem at the Holy Cafe next to the solid gold menorah there in the public square. And uh, I edited a little bit with what's going on in that country. We're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. But I want you to get a sense without the identities of any of these folks, uh, what was going on right behind our table as we sat there. And uh, this young boy, they were tossing up in the air back and forth, and they were so excited about it. And he was so, so excited because it was a bar mitzvah. How many of you have heard of that? You've heard of that expression, and uh, I trust that you understand perhaps a little more fully what that means. It's a religious initiation ceremony of a Jewish boy who's reached the age of 13. And uh, he's regarded ready now to observe religious precepts and eligible to take part in public worship. It's a time of great celebration, not only for the child, but also for the Jewish people who in the Old Testament regarded children as a blessing and a gift, a reward from God. Children were celebrated and prepared for a life of service devoted to God. That's the way they viewed children. We should view children in like manner. They are a gift from God. The fruit of the womb is His reward indeed. As we think about this, we think about our country each January, pro-lifers gather in Washington, D.C. for an annual March for Life to stand up for the unborn, to give a voice for those who do not have a voice. They're celebrating being a part now of more of a pro-life generation. Now that we've seen Roe versus Wade overturned, we're pursuing a culture of life. And Amelia was there. We commend her and thankful that she was able to be a part of that. But we're to be a voice for God. And we think about these precious little ones. We've got to understand what life is and where it comes from and how we're to respect it. We're to encourage a culture of life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This from our United States Declaration of Independence. This phrase gives three examples of the unalienable rights which are acknowledged by us as a nation that are God-given. Government did not give us these rights and cannot take them away. Government is raised up by God simply to help protect them. And that is where God wants us to be. These children should have the opportunity to be born that they might have life <laughs> Life is the very first gift from God, right? From life comes liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. A life filled with faith and conviction that there is a God in heaven who put me in this world for a reason. And I want to find out what that reason is so I can fulfill it with my heart and my soul. 
There's so many people in this world, young people, who are taught there's no God. There are no absolute truths or morals in this world. Live and let live. Live as you please. Live like an animal and die like one because there's no life beyond this life. Can we not see why young people are so confused today and so empty and aimless? Life, what is it? Just eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you die. There's no real reason or purpose in living or being here. But there's something within that cries out. There's got to be something more than this. There's got to be someone out there somewhere who made all this and made me. There's got to be a reason for me being here. There's got to be some kind of purpose. Otherwise, it's all for naught. I want to encourage our young people today to take heart. There is a God in heaven. He made you and put, this, put you in this world for a reason. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And there is a God who's at work in our world today. As darkness seems to prevail, the light of God's word continues to march forth. And light dispels darkness. That's why God has called you and me to be a shining light. May God grant it in this day. Let's take our Bibles and stand with God's word as we turn together to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is the fifth book in the Bible. And I want you to find your place here, please. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to read aloud together verse 19. I want you to see this in God's Word. The Bible is the Word of God. It is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. What God says is what we say. Thus saith the Lord. We want God's mind in all matters of life. What does God say about it? Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, God says this. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Let's read it again aloud. Everyone read it with me. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Thank you. You may be seated. Just like the devout Jewish people treasure their children and show God's love to them, God wants us to do likewise to our children and to the children of our church, our school, our community, and beyond. What does the Bible say about children? The personhood of the unborn. What does God say about us being a voice for the voiceless and showing others God's heart for children? God wants us to demonstrate His heart 
for children. And I want you to write this down, if you will, number one, because all life comes from God, our Creator. All life comes from God, our Creator. You can read in Genesis chapter 1 through 3 about the days of creation. Day 1, light. Day 2, the firmament. Day 3, dry ground and the plants. And day 4, sun, moon, and stars. Day 5, birds and sea creatures. Day 6, land animals and humans. And day 7, God rested. There's a God in heaven who made all things. He made all people. In fact, as we look back to Genesis chapter 1, we find in verse 26 these words. Turn there with me if you will. All life comes from God our Creator. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. You say, how do we know this is true? Wait, this is a written record of an eyewitness account. Well, who was there to witness this? God, our Creator, was there. And God has given us a written record, an account of creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God is our Creator. He created man. He created them male and female. For every design, there is a designer. Hebrews chapter 3 says, For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. God is our builder. God is our designer. We think about where we're at today with gender identity and confusion. When you leave God out, you leave out the designer. You leave out the design of male and female. Man becomes his own God, becomes his own designer and says, well, I think it ought to be like this and, and I think maybe we could try the other. One said this about societies. Gender obsession has occurred numerous times in history. Greece, Rome, America now, and more. It has been a 100% reliable indication that the, the society is about to collapse under its own excesses. That's where we are. We've gotten away from God. We've left the designer out, and it's like, well, let's redesign it. Let's be gods unto ourselves and reinvent it. Hey, let's make God after our image. When you fail to teach young people that they're made after God's image, they make God after their image. They become gods unto themselves. I'll think like this, act like this, live like this. I'll choose this life because I am my own God. And I'm here to remind us all today, no, you're not. You are not God. He is God, the God of heaven, the God of the Bible. He is God and there is none like Him. And He alone is to be revered and worshipped. He is our creator. He is our designer. 
He made us who we are. We need to learn to thrive as God's creation. I want to find out why God put me in this world. I wanted to as a senior in high school. That's why I went to church the first Sunday of 1981. I thought, wow, I believe there's a God, and I want to find out why he put me here in this world. I'm so thankful today that I've been living with purpose. God put me on a mission when he called me to this church. It's a mission. And, and it's something to give my heart and my life and my soul, my very being to. In season, out of season. In every way to strengthen it, to, to give toward it, to, to build it up, to help develop it forward. And, and by the way, that's not just like a physical plant or like a church building or campus. It's you. Your life, your heart, your mind, your family, your marriage relationship, your parenting, young people with navigating the challenges of life and temptation and, and even what it means to uh, just be real and honest about the struggle that's in a genuine Christian sin is still present. The old nature is still there. And the old and the new are like titans going to war each day within. And that doesn't make you a bad person because you struggle. It makes you someone who's genuinely redeemed. Because before I got saved, I didn't struggle with my sin. I just did it. I just went out and did what I wanted to do, live like I wanted to live. It didn't bother me at all, but I got saved and then sin bothered me. And then sometimes it bothered me so much that I started beating myself up and God had to help me with that. As I read Isaiah 53, he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It's like the Holy Spirit witnessed with my spirit. I took your beating on Calvary. Quit beating yourself up. And I stopped it right there. And I said, thank you, Lord. But I'm so unworthy, Pastor. I'm so, yes, you are. <laughs> so am I. It's not about our own worthiness, righteously speaking, because we have no righteousness to offer Him. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in His sight. We fall short of His glory. We just can't get there on our own. But God in love and mercy sees us as made in His image. He created us. He's the one who gave us life. And he's the one who wants to redeem us and give us life anew. Oh, what a Savior. What a God. God wants us to demonstrate his heart for children in teaching them that they're made by God. He has a purpose and a plan for their lives. He wants them to find their identity in Jesus Christ for who they are and the value that they have in his eyes. Number two, God wants us to demonstrate his heart for children because all life begins at conception. That's where life begins. We read in Luke chapter 1, verse 40, about how Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary and she was with child and the babe leaped in her womb. Think about that. The babe was already there in her womb and was leaping for joy 
of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Write that reference down. Luke 1, 40 through 45. Think about this. The Bible says, And as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, and there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Think about it. One writer said about Zacharias in this passage, his disappointment at not having his son did not keep him from serving the Lord. He served God and trusted God, and God wants us to be faithful. You never know when God's angel may arrive. If you're asking God for children, trust God for His timing. Have faith in God. There's a God in heaven who is the author and the giver of life. And He's able to bless with children. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Think about this God of heaven. He hears the prayers oftentimes for parents. Want to be, desire to be, longing to be moms and dads. God, would you give us a child? And the Bible says that these children are the heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward, Psalm 127.3. Children are a great blessing to be embraced, not a burden to be shunned and cast aside. This is the gift of God. And oh, what a treasure it is. As we get older here now, I didn't say old, I said older, all right? Write that down, E-R. Older. Rebecca and I, our lives are filled. Filled with joy from so many children, 10 children, soon to be 18 grandchildren. Our children, our in-laws, our grandchildren, our life is full to overflowing. And here's the beauty of it. We love it. We love it. There's never a dull moment in our home. Praise God. We love it. God has been good to us. The fruit of the womb is his reward. I remember asking a preacher friend from the mountains. Years ago, we'd see each other once in a while in meetings and things, and, and he's, we hadn't seen each other for some time, and, and then we came upon one another. And uh, he said, Brother Tim, how many children you got now? I said, we got 10 children. He looked at me as kindly and humbly and sincere as he could, and he said, you're the richest man I know. I never forgot that. It's not just what he said, but it's the way he said it. He wasn't joking with me or kidding. He said, you're the richest man I know. I tell you what, children enrich our lives, do they not? They're a gift from God. We need to learn to guard that gift and to, to govern it and to guide it because Isaiah 49 and verse 5 says, and now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. 
Young people need to be taught that God formed you. God had a purpose and a plan for your life before you were formed, Jeremiah 1.5 says. And even in the womb, God calls forth His servants and prepares them to do His will for their lives. Location does not change the reality that there is a new life that began at conception and must be valued up and through birth. Change of location throughout life. Think about that. People say, well, you know, this child is just a, this so-called supposed baby. It's just really an unborn mass with a potential for life. No, it's an unborn life with great potential. Location has nothing to do with it. Whether it's in the womb, in development, or outside of the womb, it's still a child according to God and His Word. Ken Ham said, life begins at fertilization. No new genetic information is added after this stage. We are 100% human, made in the image of God right from fertilization. Abortion at any stage is killing a human being made in the image of God. One stated, it's not a life when you have to depend on someone else to sustain that life. The embryo is not fully developed to have a life. Even when it becomes a fetus, it, is, it can be very hard to sustain life on its own. To which another answered, hospital patients all over the world depend on others to sustain their lives. My son depends on me to sustain his life even after birth. Who gets to decide what stage of development is appropriate for murder? Think about that. Toddlers are still undeveloped and dependent. You see, the only difference between the unborn and the born is location. There's still a child made in the image of God. Medical science has discovered that a little light is emitted at the moment of conception. The light of life. You can look at your children and say, literally, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Our nation must establish a culture of life, one that values life. We're made in His image. His moral code is stamped on our hearts and our minds. This is why all of life is precious from conception to the grave. May God help us to value life as He does. And may we demonstrate His heart for children. As we think about what God is doing, all life is created by God. All life begins at conception, but then... Lastly, because all people have value and purpose. I want people in this city to know you can talk to that pastor or talk to a member of Shining Light Baptist Church and they'll be as kind and respectful towards you as an individual made in the image of God and one for whom Jesus Christ died as anyone else. They're not a respecter of persons. They look at you and they see, hey, that's someone made in the image of my God, the one that I love and serve.
That's someone that Jesus died for just like he died for me. And I'm going to love them and pray for them and try my best to show them the truth of the gospel. Isn't that right? Because all life has value. All life has purpose. The Bible says in Psalm 139 about this matter of God being our creator. He has a written plan for our lives, a poem or a book even. Think about it, is what God's word indicates. I will praise thee for I am fearfully. That means reverently. I respect the very hand of the designer of my life and wonderfully made. That means distinguished, unique, individual. Marvelous are thy works. That's the word there. Works means a poem, a book, a story. Your life has a story that God has already written and is simply being unfolded and written day by day, one chapter at a time. Can you imagine that? God has a story for my life. We live our lives, Psalm 90, as a tale that is told. There's a story. And by the way, some of us, we've got some amazing chapters, do we not? But here's the good thing about the story of your life and mine. The emphasis is not on where we've been and what we've done and what we've faced. It's who God is and how good He's been to us. How merciful our God has been. It says that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. Now think about it. In the womb... Unperfect means undeveloped from the egg to the zygote to the embryo to the fetus to fuller development as a child to delivery. God was overseeing that every step of the way is what the psalmist is saying. And in thy book, a writing, the story is the thought. All my members were written, which in continuance from sunrise to sunset a life story that is unfolding from the beginning of life all the way through until the end of life on this earth. Think about it, in continuance. That's a thought. God has this story written from the beginning of my life all the way through. That's why we should learn to humble ourselves and deal with the challenges of life in faith. Lord, I'm looking for you. Where are you in this matter? What is your mind? What are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to teach me, Lord? Oh God, you have a purpose. You've allowed this for some reason. Help me not to harden myself and turn aside. But in faith, help me to draw close to you and say, Oh God, Lord, continue in the writing, in the unfolding of the story that you have written for me. Which in continuance were fashioned as a clay formed by the potter when as yet there was none of them. Psalm 139, verse 14 through 16. There's a God in heaven who made you. You have value. You. Young people can be awkward sometimes, right? How many of you remember the awkward years? How do I look? Sometimes a daily glance in the mirror is dreaded. Nothing's right because I'm always comparing myself with my friends. 
my hair with theirs, my nose with theirs, you know, my eye color, young people, especially in junior high, or my physique with theirs. Me and my brother Terry used to stand in front of the mirror. I can see us right now. If that mirror could laugh, that mirror would heal. I promise you that. I'm telling you. I can see us right now. All this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, we were just flexing there. And, and, and I mean, when I was a, a teenage boy, I, I was so skinny, like one fellow said, I was so skinny I had to jump around the shower just to get wet. I'm telling you, it, it, was, it was amazing. And here I was. I mean, uh, the Bible says a, a young man glories in his strength. And I'm telling you, and I, I'd look at my muscle, and I'd look at Terry, and I'd say, my arm's bigger than your arm. You know, I'm stronger than you. And it's like, all right, let's go out here, and let's settle it. And, and I'm telling you, we often did, you know. Uh, we, just one thing led to another, and then we're at each other all over again. But I think about that. God made if young people could learn that God made you uniquely. God wants you to come to a, self, to a point to where it's not that you worship yourself, but you're good with yourself. I like who I am. I like the color of my hair. I like my eyes. I like looking like my dad. I like looking like my mom. I like my family. In fact, I love my family. Isn't that right? Can you imagine what we can do for children in this day? How we can love them and infuse hope and light and life in them. And they can see the value they have before God because they see the value they have before us as parents, as fellow church members, as teachers and, and workers in this school here and beyond. Oh, what God can do through us to infuse hope and faith and fresh conceptions of the great possibilities of their lives. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. The word workmanship means His portrait, His masterpiece, His painting. We're not only a story that God is writing, but a, a portrait that God is painting. Think about all the hues and sometimes the colors in the background that you like, what is that? They're necessary parts of your life experience to actually bring out the brightness of God's working in His time in your life. God is the master painter. And by the way, you can see when the sun sets, He's a great master painter, is He not? You can see His, His beauty in all of creation. To think that God has given us the ability to create life and to train up these precious children to know their maker and his purpose for their lives. What an amazing privilege. What an awesome responsibility. Oh, I think about this. There is a God in heaven. He's at work in each of our lives. And I just want us to take heart and take courage for this next generation. This is not the time to talk them down. This is a time to lift them up. Say, God has placed you here for such a time as this. You're not perfect. That's okay. No one else is. But don't use that as an excuse. Use that as a reason to draw closer to God. God, I need your help. And I know you have me here for a reason. You know, these grandchildren that God has given us, you've seen 
each of these, so many of you, and I think about what a gift God has given us, as I mentioned, but I want to close with this. I think it's good to rehearse this and be reminded of this. To our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents here today, all right, I got you. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your children because of the world they're growing up in. It's not what it used to be or like you grew up in. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident or a mistake. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of His Word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world by His help, His grace, and His strength. Don't teach them to be fearful and fretful and dependent and disheartened at the state of this world and to live with a, woe is me, what are we going to do? type mindset. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lions then. David, Goliath, Esther, Haman, Peter, the persecution. Whatever they faced, if they would turn to him, God knew he would help them and prevail. He would come through on their behalf. And God created these children specifically for the challenges that will confront them and that God will help them as they look to him to confront themselves. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise to the challenge. Raise Daniel's, David's, Esther's, and Peter's. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of this world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever do them harm, or be hard upon them. But they were born for such a time as this. I hope that challenges you. I hope that encourages you. I don't want to live my life talking about, oh my, woe is me. You know, it's so bad out there, don't you? Well, why don't we just start talking a little bit more about how good God is and how great God is. In fact, he's greater than all. You know what? Darkness does not conquer light. Light drives darkness out. You walk in the light and God will direct your steps. They ought to get, when they come to church here, not a bunch of people who is wringing their hands and saying, woe is me, and let's just talk about how bad it's out there. I'll tell you, they ought to hear that we have a God who reigns. We have a God who is supreme. And he moves among us and he uses us, broken people, broken lives, fallen people, insufficient people, unrighteous people because it's not about us. You say, Pastor, the Christian life is so hard sometimes. No, I want to tell you something about the Christian life today. It's absolutely impossible. You cannot live the Christian life without Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know Him as your Savior. And if you know Him today, learn to trust Him, lean on Him, believe Him, and follow Him.
each step of each day. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed. I hear people say, well, I'm not going to bring any children into this world. It's getting so bad, I'm just not going to do it to those children. They'll rob those children of knowing the God who made them and the God who can help them prevail upon any challenge, any circumstance. Don't do that to those children. As the coach said, hey, let them be born. Give them the opportunity that God has given us to believe him, to serve him, and to stand for him in this hour. You know what I believe the Lord would have me to do this morning, or us to do together? If you have children that are with you especially today, I want you to come with them to this altar right now. If you have children with you, uh, come right now with your children, if you can. And uh, if not, I understand that. But if you can and you want to come, I just want us to come as parents and pray with our children. Would you just come? We're just going to come and stand along here and pray. You say, well, our children are out in the nursery. Well, just come on and pray for them anyway. Because I'm going to invite others to come. If you have children, maybe you have adult children like Rebecca and I. Maybe you have grandchildren. We know that many of them are not able to be here. But I want you to come and pray for your children wherever they are. If some of you are praying for God to bless you with children, I want you to come and say, Lord, in your time, we just trust you with blessing us with children. I want you to come. If you want to come and pray for your children, if they're here, I want you to embrace them and I want you to pray together as a family. If you have grandchildren here, just embrace them, pray for them. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him by faith, believing He died for you and rose again? He'll save all who come to Him by faith. For the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God will save you. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. Please save me for Christ's sake. God will do just that. Let's pray together for our loved ones.